It's the deck cast, it's a deck cast, it's a deck cast. The A C C C A S T, cause I say it's a deck cast, it's a deck cast, it's a deck cast, deck cast, the A C C C A S T, the A C C C A S T. You're listening to Deckcast, produced by students of Danville Area Community College. And now your hosts, Kaya and Keegan. Yo, 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 it's Kaya and Keegan here from the basement of the Clock Tower. Here on DACCast, we get to know the familiar faces we see all over campus in hopes that students at DAC and members of the community get to know each other a little better. With that being said, we are here with Dr. Wendy Brown. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. I know it was a little difficult. Sorry about that on well, my part. <laughs> it's all right. It's the times. Yeah. Gotta okay. kind of expect these weird things yeah. that happen right yeah. now. I'm not great with technology. <laughs> Okay, so introduce yourself and tell us your role here at DAC. What do you do? Okay, well, my name is Dr. Wendy Brown, and I am a professor of biological sciences. I teach a variety of different biology classes. Uh, Microbiology is my specialty. That's what I got my uh, degree in, my PhD in uh, pathogenesis of chlamydia. So uh, microbiology is really my passion, but I teach a variety of different Uh, biological science classes, including human biology, uh, life science, uh, environmental biology. Um, Yeah, so anything biology-related, you know, I'm I'm all for it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so before COVID happened, what did a normal day look like for you? Uh, So, uh, well, teaching uh, both in class and online. So I've been teaching online for Oh, I would say 12 years. I was the first one in the department to develop a hybrid uh, biology class uh, in which the students did all their coursework online, and then they would come in for lab. And then recently I developed an all-online biology so that they can actually do the labs at home using a uh, lab kit. Uh, So I've always been uh, teaching in a combination of both in-person as well as online. Yeah, so you said out of all your classes that your favorite was, did you say microbiology? So in terms of favorites, <laughs> you know, I love them all for different reasons. My specialty is microbiology. You know, I'm really passionate about uh, understanding and teaching about microorganisms, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly that mm-hmm. uh, our associations are with these microorganisms. Uh, so yeah, I, I, it is one of my favorites, but I, I can't say it's my absolute favorite because I really love teaching the non-major biology classes as well, uh, especially the face-to-face ones, because these are the students that come to me completely not wanting to be there. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. who wants to take a biology class if you're going into uh, English or business? Pretty much no one. <laughs> so I get these students, and they're like, we don't want to be here. And I just love turning that attitude around, uh, yeah. making this class as fun as possible. One of the classes that they wind up, a lot of them saying, this has actually been my favorite class to attend at yeah. uh, DACC because I try to make it so interactive and so relevant to them. Uh, so, yeah, I love microbiology because it's my forte, it's my specialty, but I really love teaching the non-major classes as well. Yeah. 
I, I would have to agree with you. I, I am not a science uh, fan whatsoever, and I did take a <laughs> class online with you. What was it, human biology? Uh-huh. Yeah, so, yeah, so you had the, the take-home lab yeah. kit where you and had I, to do the yeah. labs at home. I was a little scared, I'm not going to lie, but it was really easy, and it was really well like planned out, and I, you could tell you put a lot of effort into it. So Well, good to hear. Um, and I designed those lab kits myself because I used to have the students purchase these commercial kits yeah. But they were $150 plus. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, you know, I can do this for a lot cheaper yeah. and I think a lot better. So I, um, over a couple years, spent some time developing my own labs and developing these at-home kits that the students wouldn't even have to pay for. They can yeah. just uh, check it out at the beginning of the semester, use the equipment, return it at the end of the semester. Yeah, it was super easy. Um so which class of yours are you most proud of? I mean, the way that you've taken the time to set oh, them up? Wow. Um, <laughs> that's a tough one. Uh, again, you know, I am so proud of how my courses have developed over the 18 years that I've been at DAC. And when I see, and I do see some mm -hmm. of my first students that I had 18 years ago, actually one of them is uh, a neighbor of mine, yeah. um, just, you know, a couple blocks away. And when I saw her um, for the first time after maybe 12 years, I said, you know what? I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I know when I first came here, I taught at a level that was way up there. Yeah. And I was not the best instructor because, you know, it was my very first time being an instructor. You got to kind of figure out what works and what doesn't. Yeah. Uh, and so I apologize to those students that had me 18 years ago because it was a tough course back then. <laughs> and I really didn't put a lot of uh, effort into doing group activities and uh, making things relevant. Yeah. I just didn't really know how. So I, I think the proudest thing that I uh, have accomplished is making all of my courses as relevant to the student population as possible. For my nursing students who take my microbiology class, that is making this microbiology course as relevant to their careers uh, as I possibly can. For the non-majors, it's making it relevant so that they understand biology uh, you know, at least on the surface level, and they can make educated decisions when they have to vote on particular topics or they have to take a side on particular topics or um, they can understand both points of view um, and, and make educated decisions. <laughs> uh, so that's, I think, what I'm most proud of. Um, so some of the things that I've added to make these classes as fun and relevant as possible, I would say the proudest thing I've done is the service learning projects. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's so important for students to get involved in their uh, environment. Yeah. And so if you take my Biology 100 class, you are required to do a service learning project. And these projects, um, the students can come up with them on their own. Some of them do. Some of them I have suggestions for. Uh, so, for instance, one that I've done for years is the um, freshwater mussel survey. Uh, we work with the uh, Nature Conservancy of Illinois, and uh, we go to the Sagamon River. If, if the students choose this particular project, and I usually have several that choose it every uh, year, we go to the Sagamon River. And we gather all the freshwater mussels out of the, the river in a particular a section. Uh, we are in the river for an hour. And, and this is, you know, it's not like you see them and pick them up. You are on your hands and knees 
digging your hands into the sediment to feel for these mussels and then pull them out. Uh, you put them in a bag, and after an hour, we go back on shore and we catalog all of the different freshwater mussels that we've collected. And there are, usually we get about 15, 16 different species, mm -hmm. uh, and we count how many of each. We can age, uh, so how, you know, how long have these been developing in this particular area, uh, we, we age them, we catalog them, we throw them back in the river. And that is really to look to see um, how does the population change over time. Because the populations that we have kind of also give us an idea of what the health of that river is. Yeah. Uh, so it, we also look to see are any of these uh, endangered uh, mussel species uh, coming to uh, become less or, or more in, in numbers. Yeah. Uh, so it's things like that that these students, non-major biology students, would never do. Uh, but because I have them do these and choose a service learning project, they get the opportunity to do something that they've never done before. And I've had students contact me, um, you know, s semesters afterwards and ask, can I still go on this muscle survey with you? Uh, so it, it's things like that that I'm really proud of that make the class uh, relevant to yeah. the student population. Wow, that's pretty cool. So take us back to your experience in college, mm -hmm. like what colleges you attended and how that time was. <laughs> okay, so you know it's funny because people ask me, "Well, where are you from?" Yeah, and I'm that's, like, "That's well, one question that I had for you." Yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't know anymore because I've been around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been to so many places. Uh, um, I uh, uh, started out at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh, uh, majoring in biology. I then had the opportunity to do the uh, college program, the Disney World College program, wow. which is a fabulous program, mm -hmm. and I've actually uh, recommended it to several of my students. Several of my students have gone throughout the years, uh, and um, actually my son, who uh, just graduated from Illinois State, he also went and did the college program uh, just a couple years ago. Uh, so. After a year at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh, I then went to Orlando, Florida to work at Disney World uh, for a semester. Fell in love with it. Uh, loved that place so much that I decided, you know what, I'm not going back. I'm going to stay here. And so I wound up staying and working for Disney World for two years and attending a Valencia Community College where I got my associate's degree at that point. Uh, at that point, I'm like, okay, I do need to continue my education. <laughs> I can't just work for Disney World the rest of my life as much as I wanted to. Uh, so then I went uh, to back to Wisconsin to finish my bachelor's degree, uh, then moved out to Oregon because all of my family was migrating out to the West Coast. My um, sister lives in Seattle. My mom lives in Oregon. My brother lives in Hawaii. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go out there. Um, and uh, go to school. So I went to Oregon State University for four years. I got my PhD studying the pathogenesis of chlamydia. Wow. I went out there with the expectation that I was going to be a researcher. Uh, I did not want to go into teaching. Uh, the last thing I wanted <laughs> to do was teach. My mom was a professor, and my mom would always say, hey, you should go into teaching. I think you would be a great professor. And I was a little bit of a rebel child. I did not want to do anything my mom did, or anything that she thought would be a good idea. So I'm like, no, no, I'm going to go into research. 
Uh, first semester in graduate school, I was a teaching assistant uh, for one of the labs, 48 students in a lab. Uh, and I stepped in front of the class and I started giving my introduction to the lab. And I'm like, oh, dang it. I love this. <laughs> Mom was right again. I hated it. But it really solidified that, you know, truly what I want to do is go into teaching. And I wanted to do that full time. And as much as I loved doing research and, you know, I, I felt like I was a very good researcher, I loved teaching so much more. Uh, and so I wanted to make sure that that was my full time job. Um, once I got my PhD. And so that's what then brought me to Danville um, looking for a job. I just uh, put a lot of applications out there and uh, I had a lot of family in Chicago. And so I thought, well, that's a, probably a good place to apply. It's mm -hmm. close to Chicago. And so Danville uh, Area Community College was the first one that offered me the job. And, you know, he, I've been here 18 years. Wow. Gotcha. So you said you got your PhD at Oregon State. Mm -hmm. What was yes. Corvallis like? Because I've I've heard that's a great college. Oh town. my goodness, beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, so um, it's a very earthy place. Mm. Um, uh, people are wonderful. It's a beautiful uh, area. It's a very expensive place to live. Yeah. So uh, any place on the West Coast, you know, it's it's gonna be uh, pretty expensive. But uh, I lived in uh, the Willamette Valley, which is a valley between two mountain ranges. And so you could look to the west and see the mountains. You can look wow. to the east and see the yeah. mountains. Uh, and uh, my mom lived on the coast. And so I would often just go out to the coast and, you know, go visit her. Uh, and the Oregon coast, it's, it's not a beachy coast. It's a rocky coast. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so it was a great place uh, to, to live. Um, the temperature there is uh, very mild. Uh, so it, if you think about Seattle temperature, it's very similar. Gotcha. Very warm, sunny summers. Uh, and then cold, not cold, cool, rainy uh, winters. And I remember my first year out there. It's, uh, you don't see the sun starting in, oh, I would say October, uh, all the way through March, you don't see the sun yeah. and it's a constant mist. And it was actually very depressing the first year trying to get used to not experiencing that sunlight because that does uh, affect our health uh, quite a bit. Uh, so the first year was a little depressing in terms of not <laughs> seeing the sun, but, you know, you get used to it. Yeah. 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 Great place. Love it very much. Gotcha. So I can tell that you are a person who doesn't, who, who travels a lot, who sees a lot of different parts. And I've, I've heard that you've seen quite a bit. Is that true? Yeah. So I would say throughout my lifetime, I've been to about 30 different countries. I was wow. very fortunate um, to travel a lot with my parents uh, at a young age. They taught uh, statistical processing control, quality control in many different countries. And so I spent, uh, you know, several weeks, uh, a month in uh, India. Uh, I've spent a month in uh, China. Uh, and then we went to a lot of places just for fun. So Egypt, for instance, was one of my favorite wow. trips. Uh, the Soviet Union, um, all over Europe. Um, you know, just this, this summer I went on a, a cruise to the Mediterranean. So I was in Turkey and Greece and Montenegro and yeah. So, um, I, I, I am very fortunate and appreciate all of the places that I have been able to travel. It is, 
a, a wonderful world out there and to be able to experience it and not just, you know, look at it in, in TV shows and movies. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's undescribable to yeah. being able to experience the different cultures. So is there any few countries that really just stood out to you that you really think that everyone should go oh. see <laughs> if you had to choose? Oh, you know, my... It's hard to, to, to pick. Um, you know, Australia is just one of those places. The people there are extremely friendly. Uh, the, the area is just beautiful. Um, I would say my favorite trip, though, was to Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, honestly, I would be a little weary about, mm-hmm. uh, leery about going to uh, Egypt today. But uh, during that time, it was just a, a fabulous trip to see things that are thousands of years old yeah. um, and, and to, to experience that very different culture than ours. I would say that that would, you know, to ride on a camel in the desert, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, it's just something that uh, you don't forget. Yeah. So how many, and it's just a curious question, how many of the seven wonders have you seen? Oh, you know, honestly, I don't know. You don't know? Um, I know the, the pyramids are one, right? I think so. Okay. So you saw the pyramids? <laughs> I did, yes, what, what yes, was that yes. Like? Uh, again, you, you are dropped off, you're taken to the middle of the desert, um, but yet you can see the city um, off really? in the distance. So wow. it's, it's a really surreal uh, experience and um, you know we did a, a, a cruise down the Nile mm-hmm. and to be on the Nile and to see the people along the way just using the Nile for you know um, gathering water or washing clothes and you know it's just such a different culture than what we experience here uh, in the U.S. it's yeah. it's um, that's so cool it's unbelievable yeah mm-hmm. you like to travel and I also heard that you like Bees? <laughs> yeah, so one of my newest uh, passions, um, beekeeping. Uh, we had the sustainability farm uh, for uh, quite some time out on Daisy Lane, and we were growing crops out there. We had a uh, native prairie plot, and I thought, well, you know, I th- one thing that's really in desperate need is uh, bees in this area mm-hmm. uh, because the great loss of the bee population and their their very much importance in uh, pollinating. And so I thought, well, let me check this out. Let me see. I've never thought about beekeeping, but let me take a class, see how I feel about it. I am allergic to bees, so that, you know, concerned me a little bit. <laughs> Uh, but I took the class and after I was done, I took the class at Long Lane Honeybee uh, Farm, Mm -hmm. um, uh, just uh, about 15 minutes away from here. And I'm like, you know what? I can do this. This isn't that bad. Uh, I could do this. So I went ahead and I ordered myself a, a package of bees and a hive and a package of bees means that you get one queen and 10,000 worker bees and you pick up this little plastic container and you know I've never worked with bees before bees typically scare me because I am (laughs) allergic when I get stung I swell Uh, I swell pretty big Uh, so I you know I made sure I had my EpiPens available (laughs) Um, and so I go to pick up this container of bees and you know you got to take it home and so what do you do you put it in your car so I'm driving uh, to the 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 place where I set up the hive with 
10,000 bees in my car. You know, if that's not intimidating, you know, I don't know what is. Uh, so I got to the farm to install the bees. And, you know, I again, I took a class, right? Yeah. You, know, you take a class, you hear what they have, have to, to say. Know. Yeah, I, I must be an expert already. I did bring someone with me who had installed a, a bee. Uh, he actually took the class with me, um, Craig Potter. He was the ag instructor here at DAC. He's now retired, but he took the class as well. And so he came out there with me to install my bees. He had already installed his bees in his hive. And uh, so, you know, remembering what I was supposed to do, I have fully suited up and uh, Craig is telling me what I, I should be doing. And he's like, okay, take the cork out to get those bees out. And so I'm, you know, shaking as I do this, and I'm pulling out this giant cork to get the 10,000 stinging, potentially stinging bees out of this package and into the hive. And he's like, okay, what are you waiting for? Go ahead, get, dump them in, turn it over and start dumping them. I said, you need to wait a minute, okay? I panicked. I said, I need a minute here, okay? There's bees flying all over me. I need a minute. So I took a few deep breaths. I had my few seconds of uh, just relaxing, and then I went for it. I just took them uh, and started, you know, you turn them over, and you kind of just yeah. bang oh my them upside down. <laughs> and, you know, they're, you, you, you sprayed them with sugar water so they can't fly so well. And, you know, but they're everywhere, and it was just... It was a crazy experience. So um, are you that allergic to them that the EpiPen was for, like, your bee allergy? Yeah, so I do swell. Um, <laughs> and I swell pretty pretty big. Uh, so if I were to be stung on my arm, for instance, my entire arm will swell. Um, and so I don't have the anaphylactic uh, response yet. Um, but if I were to be stung, for instance, in the throat... Yeah. That could be a, a, a very um, dire situation. So that's, you know, why I do have that EpiPen just, just in case of that type of situation. Uh, this last year, I got stung. Um, I get stung, you know, every once in a while. I, I do wear a full body suit. But this one time, I didn't wear the full body suit. And <laughs> it was very early in the spring. And I got stung in both thighs. Oh, no. Both of them. And so, of course, you know, for the next week, my thighs were just you know, huge. I mean, they're already <laughs> large, but now they're extra large. Um, and yeah, so that was an uncomfortable uh, week that I, I had oh to deal goodness. with these uh, bee stings. But um, it's worth it. It's yeah. worth it. I, I love it. I It's one of the service learning projects for my students. So it's one of the projects that my students can choose to come out and work with the bees and I've had several students wanting to do this not just for the service learning project but also just to do it just because yeah. uh, and so what they also help me with is then extracting the frames once they're filled with honey taking them back to DAC uh, and then extracting the honey they also help me with bottling the honey they make the labels for the honey and then they usually also help me uh, to sell the honey uh, as a fundraiser. So the wow. students really do the entire project from uh, collecting to distributing the honey um, during the service learning project. So. so with that fundraiser, what are you raising money for? Just to maintain the bees. Oh, okay. uh, so equipment, buying uh, more frames, buying more boxes, buying suits, you know, they start to, um, yeah. you know, degrade a little bit. Uh, sometimes I need to replace some things. Yeah. Uh, so really, it's just to help fund 
the continuation of, of the, the bee project. Uh, currently, we have uh, two Langstroth hives. Those are the ones that are stacked. Uh, we have a, a flow hive, and that was the hive that was invented in Aus Australia a few years back. Uh, it's, uh, not, it's not very popular here in the U.S., so I thought, well, let me try it out. It's really nice, especially for when I bring uh, younger kids out to uh, see the, the bees, uh, because we don't have to open the hive to collect honey. Oh, yeah. uh, all we have to do really is kind of turn a knob type of thing and the honey flows right out of the hive. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's been a, a lot of fun to have. I also have a, a bar hive, which again, you don't see a whole lot of those. And uh, recently, um, Becky Doss, she uh, works here, her husband built us a uh, observation hive. And awesome. so that's one in which we can just take some windows off and you can see what's happening in the hive. You can see all the different stages, wow. the different uh, types of bees. Uh, and, and so, again, that's really great for demonstration for when kids come. So we could talk about um, what yeah. bees do and their significance. Yeah. So if somebody wanted to go and see this, how would they? I mean, is it how would I mean, it's obviously not just open for the public whenever. How right, long, right. Would they have to be a part of one of your classes to uh, see what's going on? Not necessarily. Uh, so if there is someone who really wants to learn more about um, beekeeping or learn more about the uh, society of bees, you know, I'm always glad to, to work with them, uh, to show them off and to suit them up. Because I'm always, I can't go out there by myself. Yeah. And so I'm always looking for someone to tag along with me as I am uh, looking at these bees. So yeah, just contacting me by email okay. is, um, you know, a great way to, to, um, uh, to work something out with me. Same thing with the reptiles. You know, I've done reptile road shows with our, you know, hmm. pythons and uh, turtles and, wow. and lizards. And, and so when a, an organization wants me to bring the reptiles out, they just send me an email and we make arrangements for uh, bringing our various reptiles out to them. Interesting. So you said before, after Oregon State, that you applied to a bunch of different jobs, and I'm guessing it was all over the country. You sent out applications. Yeah. Uh, so one thing ab about you know higher education is you really sometimes have to be open to where you live, yeah. right? You have to make sure that you're going to where the jobs are available. Uh, I did have, uh, and I do still have a husband at that time, and I still the same husband and a child at that time. So um, you know it's a little bit challenging mm -hmm. to uproot everyone to move across the country. Uh, but my husband's a chef, so he uh, was willing to move wherever I wanted to to move to because he could get a job uh, wherever. And he, he works for college chefs in Urbana. I was going to say, the... I heard he had a pretty cool job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, really I, cool he's, uh, so I eat well, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> you got a chef or a husband, you eat really yeah. well. Uh, and he works for the college chefs. It's a uh, organization. Um, it's it's actually now um, across the the U.S. Mm -hmm. and they this company cooks for fraternities and sororities at different colleges. So wow. uh, this one is at the University of Illinois Champaign Urbana, and uh, he's been working with them uh, for oh gosh ten years now I think. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a great chef job because you know he's cooking for fraternity guys uh, Monday through Friday. He doesn't have to work weekends. He doesn't have to work nights. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Uh, so he was really willing to move wherever. Um, and so I did apply to some places out uh, in um, Oregon, in uh, Washington, because I had family there, and then in um, uh, Wisconsin, because that's where I w- gotcha. had gone to school, and then in uh, Illinois. So those were my main areas that I applied. Okay. Uh, I think I put a couple other applications, maybe a couple in Florida and I think one in Georgia. But yeah, yeah. you really have to be open to going to where the, the job market is uh, yeah. for you. So. Gotcha. so when Dak offered you the job, what was it about this institution that really was intriguing? I like the idea that they were very flexible about um, what I might want to teach in the future. Uh, because I did interview at, at uh, another school, and they were not. They were like, no, these are the set classes. Yeah. Uh, there's no really flexibility. This is how they're going to be taught. These are the classes that will be taught. And one of the th- great things about uh, Danville was that they were like, yeah, you know, we are open to introducing new types of classes. We're in- open to you introducing new types of ways of teaching, uh, service learning projects, for instance. Uh, my students also do, uh, in the microbiology class, we do a uh, mini research project where they discover antibiotics from soil microbes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the curriculum was very flexible, uh, and I can kind of adjust the curriculum to how I thought would be most beneficial to students. So I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed the um, small town um, aspect of of Danville um, rather than some of the places that I had been applying were big cities. Uh, So it's really a kind of a um, family-oriented city here. Uh, And I thought, honestly, when I first uh, applied out here, I'm like, eh, Maybe a couple years. I'll give it a couple years. Um, you know, I, I want to get some teaching experience. I'm, yeah. I'm going to give it a couple years, and I'll probably go someplace else. Uh, but they 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 got me, and they got me good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have not wanted to leave. I've actually been offered jobs at some other places. Um, Parkland offered me a job a couple years ago. Uh, I was offered a job in uh, Washington State. Uh, and I'm like, you know, I have it so good here. The, the DACC treats me so well. Yeah. And I love the environment. I love the people. Um, you know, I am most likely going to be retiring from here. Yeah. Also. And I really like how you touched on DAC being a very open college because I agree with you. I think that they are so open to seeing growth here. And that's something really special. And so you... Were you the founder of the Student Science Club? Is that something that you started? Is that something DAC gave you the opportunity? Yeah, uh, so there was, uh, before I came, there was a um, science club um, that was run by some of the uh, professors um, that were here. That went away, uh, and so I did uh, attempt to bring it back a few years later. Uh, and we did have an active uh, club for a couple, three years. Uh, it's kind of died out since. Uh, so um, it's kind of one of those clubs that when there is interest, it's on the book. So if there is a student population that would say, hey, we want to to uh, start the science club again and we want to do these types of projects, you know, it's available to get up and running uh once again Mm -hmm. yeah and you you did uh you started the family science night too oh yes the family science night yeah that's that's a big um yeah undertaking uh something i'm very passionate about is spreading 
science knowledge to the grade schools uh, because it starts there. If you want people to go into science, you got to get their interest at a very young age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of um, times students don't get that interest um, during grade school because, you know, a lot of times uh, there's so many things to teach that uh, science sometimes doesn't get to be done hands-on. Um, and so what I thought to do was just create all these different hands-on activities that students can come and participate in. Uh, and so what I had are 50 different hands-on activities uh, that um, are all sorts of different STEM uh, subjects, so mm -hmm. science, technology, engineering, math, uh, and they're uh, geared for kind of K through eighth grade, and it's just one night where they can come and experience all these different uh, activities. So they can make slime, they can... Um, it, interact with the reptiles. They can uh, build a body out of a skeleton, out of noodles. Um, they can cr design rockets and shoot them off. Uh, so it's, it's a very intense night of science. <laughs> really uh, it's exhausting. And yeah. every year I'm, you know, in the couple days before it, I'm like, oh, never again. This is so much work. I'm never doing this again. And then the night comes, and it's fabulous, and everyone is telling me how much they're enjoying oh, it and yeah. how appreciative they are, and they're like, can I come back next week? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, yes, that's, this is why I do this, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because it really does um, open the student's eyes to uh, how enjoyable science really can be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's right. You've made a lot of strides within your your science department here at DAC. Are there any um, personal goals in your career that you would want to see? Oh, continuing With on, um, you know, I'm not a very funny person. Uh, I'm not hugely clever. <laughs> um, but what I am is passionate. What I am is fun. What I am is... Um, knowledgeable and so that's what I build upon and going forward you know at fr from my very first year my goal has always been to improve my teaching I it, my teaching will never be perfect and so my goal is to constantly do what I need to do to improve it to make it more enjoyable to make it uh, a better learning environment uh, to um, make students more enthusiastic about what they're learning. Uh, and that will never stop until the day I retire, finding out what are those high-impact teaching um, skills that I need to employ in the classroom uh, to make sure that I am kind of going with the times. Our students change. Their, yeah. The population changes. It's, it's, it's really sad because I keep getting older. My students keep staying the same age. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's a little depressing. Yeah. <laughs> but they're also evolving uh, how they learn. And so th it's important that I also involve, evolve how I teach the subjects. Uh, so I will never stop learning I will never stop evolving the way that I teach the subject uh, because my students change and the technology changes and the topics change and um, I have to make sure that I am uh, doing what I need to do to make sure that this class is as relevant 
uh, yet enjoyable so the students actually want to learn it uh, as possible. So that's really uh, my goal is to continue to uh, evolve mm -hmm. the, the courses that I teach to best fit the students. I love education. I continue um, to learn myself. Um, I am always going to conferences. Uh, I am often take different uh, classes to make sure that I uh, continue my education as well. It, education never stops. It, mm -hmm. It's something that you should uh, plan to do for the rest of your life. And, yeah. and I enjoy learning. And so that's something that I will continue to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. I think we're good. Yeah, I think all we have left is DAC attack. Yeah. Rapid fire questions. Oh my goodness, so I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, I tell us to every guest, we're going to ask you between two questions, and you have to pick one, okay? I'm picking one question. You're, well, you're, you're picking, picking one answer. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, I, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I said that badly. But we've had people <laughs> go on for two minutes on oh, an yeah. answer when it's supposed to be a one-word answer, and we've had people pick both options. Both options, yeah. Oh. So you have to deviate. Yikes. Okay. Okay, here we go. All right. So now we are going to go into our... Rapid fire questions called Dak Attack. One, two, three, four. I mean, that's it? West Coast or Midwest? Gosh, that, you might even start with such a. It's the first one every time. Oh my gosh. Ah. Well, Midwest to work, West Coast to visit. Okay, okay. okay. Mornings or evenings? Mornings, absolutely. No. Morning person, five o'clock every morning. <laughs> uh, biology or physics? Oh, no. Really? You no got to ask that one. No it question. <laughs> biology, hands down. <laughs> uh, sweet or savory? Sweet. Chocolate sweet or vanilla? Chocolate. Oregon State or Wisconsin? <sighs> Gosh, these are tough. Ah, <laughs> uh, You know... Uh, they're such great places. I'm going to say Oregon because I have family out there still. There you go. <laughs> yes. Yes. Summer or winter? Mm, summer. Beach or mountains? Oh, these are tough. <laughs> Beach. Gotcha. Eat in or dine out? Eat in. And since you're so well-traveled, road trips or flights? Uh, flights, absolutely. I get car sick. <laughs> oh, no. Not enjoying the road trip so much. So you're never like, hey, let's go out to we Oregon do. and drive. We do. We do. Because we that's the only way that you can hit all of the national parks along the way. Well, there you go. Um, but do I dread it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Brown. We really appreciated having you. Well, this has been a lot of fun. So yeah, I, I really appreciate you, uh, you having me. Thank you guys for listening. This has been Stay Classy Jaguars.